And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Ultimately, you know, keep saying it. Get 1% better every day. Just get a little bit better every day. Hey, welcome back. I'm Stephen Holder here with Zach Kiefer. We're back with another episode of 1% Better. And, man, we are on to the playoffs. The Colts are in. It took some doing. <laughs> yes. Maybe some nervous moments. It definitely was a long Sunday. But uh, but a fun one, actually. In, in retrospect, it was lots of twists and turns. But anyway, you know what happened. The Colts are in. They beat the Jaguars 28-14 and got just enough help elsewhere with the Buffalo Bills beating the Miami Dolphins soundly on Sunday. So the date is set. Zach, it's Bills, excuse me, Colts at Bills. On Saturday afternoon, and I have no idea how this is going to go, but, you know, I think Philip Rivers said it best. I love what he said, and he's so right, and we can talk and talk and talk, and the bottom line is he says a lot of teams are going home today. Colts aren't going home, and look, you would rather take your chances, roll the dice, see what happens. I don't know. How are you feeling yeah. about this? Yeah, it's it's crazy. Philip Rivers said it best a couple of days before the game as well. I got to ch- talk to him Thursday night on his way home from practice, and he's talking to me about all the craziness and that's going to happen on Sunday in the NFL. And he's like, "If you're a fan, you got to love this." So this guy knows. Like he knew everything that was going on. He was watching the Bills game Sunday afternoon, and it was crazy because about five minutes to go in the game yesterday. All three scenarios are on the table for the Colts, and they are three crazy different scenarios. One, you could win the game, have Houston win, and be hosting a home playoff game as division champs for the first time in six years, for the first time since Andrew Luck's third season, I believe. You could win and then have Houston lose and be on the road in the playoffs, which is the situation that eventually happened. Or you could blow it, which was up in the air for a while against a bad Jacksonville team, and be swept by the Jaguars and have a totally different feeling this morning. Can you imagine the fire coming out of that game? If you had allowed the Jaguars two wins on the season and didn't get it done when you had a chance to make the playoffs. Anyway, we don't have to get into that. It was a crazy afternoon. And the main reason the Colts have a a shot is because of their rookie running back running for a franchise record, 253 yards. Derrick Henry had 250 yesterday and didn't even have the most in the division. <laughs> he sucks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. What, the NFL, I'm just telling you, listen, there was a point when, and on this very podcast, I just said, hey, I don't know if we'll get through the season. We'll see what happens. And they not only got through the season, but what the hell? This season has been insane. <laughs> it's all I can say. The Colts go 11-5, barely make the freaking playoffs with seven teams, by the way. Okay, the AFC is on steroids this year. I, football is freaking ridiculous. That's all I can say. That's all I can say. That is my takeaway. I, there was there were times yesterday where I was literally speechless. Like the end of – after the Colts game, watching the That's... end of that Houston-Tennessee game play out, I mean – 
I was falling out of my chair. That's why this league so can't be beat. I mean, the, the, the Titans throw it 56 yards down the field to Corey Davis, <laughs> right? And, and complete their age, you know, like. Uh, yeah, I mean, because I'll tell you what, I'm thinking, I know this has nothing to do with the Colts, but we're on this tangent now. But I'm thinking, man, if they miss this field goal or if they don't score or what have you, and the Texans win the coin toss, man, the Titans may not get the ball back. <laughs> you know, yep. so it's uh, it's a crazy league, and, and the Colts are right in the thick of all of that yesterday. So it was fun, but, um, you know, look, that's that's what draws you in. That's why you keep coming back every week. Whether your team wins or loses, you keep coming back because you don't know what the hell's going to happen. And Let me I think ask that's you why this. it's fun. They're in. Before we move into the Bills, which we will later in this podcast and probably later this week, what did you think of yesterday? Where is this team at right now? Because they yeah. were they were not great yesterday. So I wrote a whole story about this basically. You know, what is this team? Who is this team? Do they have a chance? Why are we doing this? <laughs> yeah. And my answer is I have no idea. But that's also why anything can happen because all right, let's put it this way. They are a team. And I firmly believe this. They are a team that can literally beat anybody or lose to anybody. Like, you know, the Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, They've it was, proven it was that. 20 to 14 yesterday, one score game, and they gave the ball back to the Jags three or four times. Right. All the Jags so, had to do was drive down the field and score, and they're losing to the Jags in the fourth quarter of a game they had to have. Right. So tell me if you agree. I never felt like they were going to lose. I felt like if they if it did, it was going to be something fluky, like they had a pick six or did something stupid and, and gave them the game. Yeah, but I know also never. Happens. Yeah, it does. I know that's what I'm saying, right? I, I felt like they they were going to figure it out, but I didn't feel like they should have been in that situation. But um, I, I guess what I'd say is, like the previous week, for probably two and a half quarters of that game, I felt like okay, well, there's. There's no chance Jacksonville is even going to make this interesting. Right. And that's how it felt against Pittsburgh, you know, with four minutes left in the third quarter. Yeah. You're thinking, okay, well, what are we having for dinner tonight? You're hitting on something, though. It's becoming a trend. Yeah, exactly. So, so it had the same kind of feeling yesterday. And it was kind of like, in fact, it was even, it was even more so than Pittsburgh because they could literally do whatever they wanted. I mean, Pittsburgh, excuse me, Jacksonville couldn't even move the ball. So, yeah, I I don't know. Do I think the Colts are a, a team that that's that? Th- do I think the Colts are the team that we saw yesterday? Well, no, not really. But at the same time, they tend to do that. So you know, it's a complicated question. I guess the answer is: Are you a half full or half empty kind of person? And that's up to the individual. That determines how you see this Colts team. I think. But you asked me wh- what did I think of yesterday? I think the bigger question is. What did this entire season tell us? And this entire season told us a little bit of what we saw yesterday, which is, you know what? Sometimes they're wishy-washy, and sometimes they're on. And the yeah. answer depends on the moment. Yeah, <laughs> That's what I, like, I like that answer because I, I, I'm willing to throw out yesterday. And can I be you perfectly You don't have to throw on- it out, though. You just, just put it in with the rest of the results. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right, because it all it – all- Look the same in a lot of ways. Right. You know, they beat the Packers and they lost to the Jags and barely beat the Jags a second time. You know, I'm kind of bummed. I I really wanted to see them go at Pittsburgh again. I wanted to see another game against Mm. the Steelers. That would have been the game that I really uh, would have been amped to see. It'll be fun to see them in Buffalo. Um, 
but I don't know how I feel about them without Costanzo. You know, Veldhir struggled a little bit yesterday at left tackle. Yeah. Granted, he was on the, you know, they threw him on the field four days after they signed him or whatever. Um, but, man, Jonathan Taylor gives you a shot. And this was a funny comment from Taylor last night. He said, look, I know Buffalo's watching the game saying they're not going to, he's not going to do that to us. You know, Pittsburgh's watching the game saying he's not going to do that to that. us. Dude, said, that, yeah, that kid, said, man. Yeah, he did it against Jacksonville. Yeah, he did <laughs> it against Jacksonville. Us. But he's got 741 yards in his last six games. He finished third in the NFL in rushing. And this was a guy, like you mentioned yesterday, who was essentially benched for Jordan Wilkins midseason. I mean, there were games when he had 12 yards and 26 yards total. I mean, he was he was hitting the rookie wall. And then all of a sudden, an eruption the last six or seven weeks. And you noticed it early. I mean, this guy, his vision is better. He's cutting more decisively. And we're seeing the whole package in terms of, He's not just a guy that can run through the contact. He's a guy who can see things like a little bit like Marlon Mack. And he gives them a shot. I don't care who you're playing. If you can run the ball in the postseason and stop the run, you've got a shot. Now, I think Buffalo is probably the most complete team in the AFC outside of Kansas City. But Jonathan Taylor gives us a Colts a shot on Saturday, period. I think it's like anything else. You know, you have a hot hand. It changes things. I right mean, in any sport. You what know, did we talk about last hand. night? Which team last year? Right, right. And I think, I think you see that in in all sports. You know, you get hot at the right time, hot team, hot player, whatever it is, at the right time. You know, fluky things can happen. And I don't even know that it would be fluky. I mean, the Colts do have like you know DeForest Buckner, Darius Leonard, and Quentin Nelson. I mean, like they got freaking players, right? You know what I mean, so like I'm not saying like the Colts going in there are you know, are some sort of like, you know, lucky to be their team. No, no, no they, they, they belong here. Right. Yeah. They belong here. Uh, they have beaten, they beat the top seed in the freaking NFC. Okay. Right. So let's give them that. Right. You know, so like they have a resume, they have a resume and, and they have done some things and, and Buffalo, Buffalo is absolutely not looking at the Colts like, huh, yeah, okay. Like, no, that is not what's happening here. But that being said, they're going to be the underdog. They should be the underdog, and this is going to be one hell of a tough game. Um, and if they don't bring it, they will get their asses beat. Yeah, badly. that's true. I, I love playoff football. I love covering playoff games. It's it's so fun to build up the anticipation, the unknown. And yep. if you're Frank Reich, how are you approaching this game? Because this is the question I want to ask. Where is Philip Rivers at heading into the playoffs? Because he did not have a great day yesterday. Mm-hmm. And in my personal view, and then I did talk to Philip Thursday and he basically said, I'm going to want to come back. Everything's gone really well. But if he doesn't have a good game Saturday, that could possibly change the tenor of this discussion. Don't you think? Yes. He didn't have a good game yesterday. And there's a lot out there in terms of rumors and links to possible quarterbacks. And it's an unknown. Now, I think the Colts are probably going to want to bring him back, but. I don't think a bad game from Rivers will help that debate come Saturday. Right. So it's all about the playoffs. Okay. They didn't come into this year thinking, eh, maybe we can get to the playoffs. No, it was like, we're getting to the playoffs. Right. They talked about winning the whole thing on the first day of camp. They admitted to that. Right. So, so the fact that they got the, the last wild card spot in the AFC, like they're, they're happy about it, but they're like, we're just getting started here in their opinion, right? We'll see what happens. But, I mean, I'm just saying, in their minds, they're like, all right, yeah, we're here because this is where we expected to be. So, anyhow, here's my thing. 
I totally agree with you. I feel like if Phillip Rivers doesn't have a good showing in Buffalo, I'm not suggesting that that necessarily makes the decision, but I do think it plays into the decision, and I think you hit it on the head. I think it does impact the tenor of the conversation Yeah. because here's a couple of things. Number one, if you are are Frank Reich and Chris Ballard, look, you know, time is not your friend, okay? You have a young team that's going to have older guys or young guys growing up, making more money, all of these variables, right, that impact your team building. And so you're looking at those things. You're looking at the calendar. You're looking at just, you know, the fact that it's the NFL and pressure being what it is and getting to the playoffs. eh, Okay. But you know, it's always a, what have you done for me lately league, right? If you go in there and you get your doors blown off, it doesn't get remembered as fondly. Right. So I think, yeah, I think what they do next week is really important uh, for the, for informing how they proceed at quarterback. I still think you can bring Phillip rivers back and still continue to pursue whatever the next big thing for you is at quarterback. In fact, they should do that. I mean, they, they could draft a quarterback early this year and still sign, resign oh, Philip Rivers. 100%. Those things are possible, right? But uh, but for sure, there's no question about it. I, I do think that depending on how this goes, depending on how it looks, the feel, the tenor, I think you will think about those things as you proceed into your off season. And you know, the owner will too. I mean, he's got a voice. I mean, it's his team, right? So, so yeah, I, I think it matters. I really, really think it matters. But, but before we go on, I, I want to circle back because I, I don't think we did Jonathan Taylor justice. And that was me. Cause I changed the subject. <laughs> uh, I want to just share this. I told you, I'll share this with the listeners. So I went downstairs after the game yesterday from the press box uh, to do some TV post game, et cetera. So I catch the elevator back upstairs, and I walk in, and who's in there? Chris Ballard, Colts general manager. You want to talk about a guy who was feeling himself. <laughs> okay. Hey, they did All it, right. man. It was a stressful Sunday. Oh, my God. The first thing out of his mouth is Jonathan frickin' Taylor. <laughs> I said, I said that, that was a pretty good draft pick. You guys did a good job there, huh? Who, who picked that guy? Um, of course, you know, joking around. But anyway, you, you want to talk about a guy who was giddy. I mean, giddy. And you know how Chris is, Zach, right? Yeah. I mean, he's, he's pretty even keeled, laid back. Except never, on game days. Yeah. Cannot right. control himself on game days. And, and I yeah. get it. Yeah, you put everything you have into this team. and But no, he, 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 he sees it the way I think we see it, which is, man, this guy might, he might, change everything for us. I mean, I really think he saw it that way. And the one thing you asked me, what did he say? And I had forgotten, but there was one thing he said that was kind of interesting. He said, um, well, he said a couple things. Number one, he said, this kid, and I told you this, he said, this kid, the best thing about him is that, you know, he, he never wavered, right? He had the same attitude, the same work ethic all the way through, even when basically they, he, he was a non-factor for them. It's basically right. a doghouse. And then the other thing he said was he called his college coach about halfway through the season. And he was like, what do you think? You know? And he said, you know, just leave him alone. He's He'll be fine. I totally forgot about that. I should have told you. But he said, he said, just leave him alone. He'll be fine. And Chris said, he just left him alone. He said he would figure it out. And he absolutely figured it out. So I, I have mean, a point those on last this. six games, my God. <laughs> 
Yeah, you hit it on the head. And 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 this is a guy that walked in and, and called Philip Rivers Mr. Rivers from the start and has been nothing but unbelievably impressive from our standpoint, from the minute he was drafted. Now that matters. And the yeah. Colts put a lot into this in terms of the character of guys, right? This is why, you know, Brian Decker is here. And, and then they really do dig into these guys and try to find out who they are beyond just football. And this is a perfect illustration of why that matters and why that's paying them back. Because Jonathan Taylor was essentially demoted, benched, whatever you want to call it, midseason, right? Second round pick, handed the keys to the run game in in week two. It had 100 yards. And it was just everyone thought he was just going to blow up the whole season. And it doesn't go like that in this league. And this kid handled it as well as he possibly could have. And I asked Frank about this last week. I was like, how does this kid handle all that his rookie year? And, and then play like this when he's supposed to be running into a rookie wall right now. That's the character paying off. That's Brian Decker. Like, that's him and everything they do. And Chris Ballard digging into that stuff, that's it paying the Colts back. This guy is 741 over the last six games. He's second only to Derrick Henry in the league in rushing. And Derrick Henry just went for 2,000, for goodness sake. So had a historic year. You know, that's a good guy to finish second to. Um but without Jonathan Taylor, I don't think the Colts are in the playoffs right now. Like yesterday, yeah. the guy went for 250 and, and you had to squeak past the Jags. That's the Colts um, culture paying off. And that's the intense draft research that they do paying them back. And like I was surprised when they took Jonathan Taylor in the second round. And I remember reaching out to Frank and getting a bunch of exclamation points back. And, you know, Frank <laughs> likes every offensive toy he can get his hands on. Right. But. In hindsight, they would have never known that Marlon Mack goes down on the second offensive series of the season. But in hindsight, the Jonathan Taylor look, pick looks good now. It's going to look really good in the next couple of years because this kid has has everything. I mean, he's he's a monster. He's breaking Edger and James's records. Like, that's legit stuff. So I don't know that I have ever seen a guy improve at the rate that he has improved in the course of a single season. I've said this before, and I and maybe I keep repeating it, and people are rolling their eyes, but I don't care. He's a different guy. He's two different players. The guy we saw in week two, three, four, versus the guy we see now is literally a different guy, like from a completely different planet. <laughs> and it's so amazing to watch because you you know we see rookies like figure it out, and we see the light bulb come on, like that stuff happens. We see that, but a lot of times. They kind of have it or they don't have it right away, you know? Yeah. And, and you don't – like Darius Leonard, the guy walked out there the first day of training camp and we're like, okay, sold. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Quentin Nelson, you're like, okay, all right, I get it. Good pick. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like literally the first day you saw him hit somebody, you were like, oh, okay. And this was different, you know? I think sometimes when you see a rookie struggle, like those struggles continue throughout the year. Like you don't figure it out. In week nine, <laughs> that doesn't happen. And all of a sudden, now he turns into a grown man. No, that, that doesn't happen. Not after the performances that he had. But he literally turned into a completely different player and transformed his entire game in the course of like a few weeks. Transformed the offense. Yeah. This and, is what and the Frank's other thing you always wanted. About- he's always wanted a power run game. Whether yes. he says he wants to pass better or not. And don't you think this jumped out? From what Darius said yesterday, Darius was incredible yesterday after the game. He's talking about like, I don't, I don't want to be the guy that has to tackle that dude. But Darius hmm. said something that stuck out to me. 
And there's like, look, we went to Kansas City a couple years ago and got rolled. And he said, the one thing I like about this team right now is we can run the ball and we can stop the run. Now, yeah. you can have your concerns about Rivers and the pass defense because I have the same concerns. But with Taylor and Buckner and the line and the run defense, they're going to have a shot. They're going to have a shot. And that's what wins in January. And I wrote about this a little bit, but we've heard this from Chris over the years. We heard this from Chris the day he was hired. To win in December and January, you need to do those two things. And he's not going to change. And that's why he built the offensive line the way he did. That's why he built up the defensive line the way he did. And that's why they took a running back in the second round last year when they had a bona fide thousand yard rusher already on the roster. It's for games like this. And it's for games like yesterday when they needed Taylor to go crazy just to beat the Jacks. So that's their blueprint. And the blueprint got them here. And we'll see if it gets them past Buffalo. Buffalo is going to be really tough. But I think with the run game going the way it is and with the run defense, I think they could keep it close and have a shot. Now, whether Rivers can take advantage will, will remain to be seen, but I think Taylor gives him a shot. So I have a theory here, and we can get into this later in the week. And I'm, I think I'm going to watch some Buffalo film this week instead of Colts-Jags film. <laughs> but anyway, so you know, hopefully learn something and then share it with you guys. But we'll deal with that later. But but one thing, we'll follow We'll follow up on this, I think, in our preview podcast. But I, I see a little bit of this game almost being a little bit like the the Kansas City matchup last year. And what I mean by that is here you have this potent offense. I, I can't believe we're talking about the Bills in this manner, but I don't think it's it's wrong. Like the Bills can score literally anytime they want. They can go out there and they can make a big play and they're in the end zone. I mean, think about the games where you've watched the Bills this year. You step away from the TV, you come back like, what, they freaking scored? What happened, yeah. right? That's who they are. So what did they do in Kansas City that became kind of the blueprint, the Colts, last year? It became kind of the blueprint, if you could pull it off, if you were built to do it, to beat Kansas City. You go out there, you play tough defense, and you run the, the run the hell out of the ball yeah, and keep the ball out of Mahomes' hands. It's kind of like that, to be honest with you. I mean, do you want to give the ball to Josh Allen? <laughs> or do you want to be able to run the ball and, and hit the occasional big play and, and be able to keep pace with them because they're going to score, but and that helps you keep pace. Remember, you talked about draft day and Frank Reich's reaction. Frank Reich and Chris Ballard were in lockstep on, on one particular thing when they drafted Jonathan Taylor. They were talking about the power run game and, and they're, they want to be run first and all that, but the one thing they said that they were most excited about was big play potential. Yes. And and that is that's the thing because it's it's one thing to say yeah we're going to run the ball and we're going to be physical okay great but how are you going to score all right and so they have a tough physical running game but also the, a big play running game and yesterday was a great example kid bad has twenty five runs of ten or more yards in the last six games it's crazy bad defense yesterday I get it but I mean are the Steelers a bad defense you know he's done it against just about everybody he's done it against Tennessee he's done it against everybody so I don't think necessarily overlooking what he did yesterday because it was the Jags is necessarily fair I mean his last run that was the game winner he broke two tackles in the hole to do that so did you see the move he made on that linebacker unbelievable. oh my god Rivers was like that could have been a two-yard game and it was so a 45 yard touchdown oh that was I got nice home piece. last night and my son had sports center on and he saw the run he's like well, that looked really easy. <laughs> and then and then we saw it from the end zone angle, and then you can see it. 
because you couldn't see because it looked like he wasn't touched, you know, from the overhead view. And I, and I even I was kind of like, man, the Jags suck. <laughs> but but then when you watch the end zone angle, you can see the two missed tackles because he sidesteps them. Kid's ridiculous, man. Uh, he, I'm just telling you, he has. I have a totally different feeling about their offense after the last couple of weeks with this guy. It's unbelievable. Yeah, I agree. Now, how do you feel about Philip Rivers? Because let's let's say yeah. that. I mean, we're getting ahead of ourselves, but let's say that Taylor produces on sun, Saturday, and I think he will. Mm-hmm. I think he'll. I think he'll keep. You know, if the Colts are in the game, Taylor's going to be a huge reason why. I think we all can agree right. on that. Can Rivers do the rest? Well, I. I think that he – I will say this. I didn't. I certainly didn't like the way he played yesterday, but I also think that that was a little bit of an outlier. I, I think even when they haven't thrown for big yardage, they've been in sync and they've been, you know, pretty efficient. Yesterday they were neither, and that was a little surprising. But I don't know. I, I don't know if that was maybe just the game got a little ragged, and I'm not really sure. That was, that was strange. But – all I can tell you is that has been the outlier. I mean, even the Pittsburgh game, which people are still up in arms about, I mean, there's still a lot to like in that game. The second half, it wasn't that they they had a necessarily bad passing game. It was just it was a couple of plays they didn't make, and those plays were decisive. I wouldn't say their passing game was terrible. They just they didn't make they just didn't make a bunch of first downs and they just didn't respond to to the Steelers, you know. That first half they moved the ball up and down the field. So yeah. I, you know, I I think yesterday was a little bit of an outlier. Again, I'm not saying that their passing game is a juggernaut. It's not. But it's been relatively consistent. I mean, the Houston games, I thought, you know, certainly they haven't been consistent throughout a game right from quarter to quarter but generally from week to week you're seeing kind of the same thing you know they're making some plays uh they they hit some third downs you know they've been able to do what they need to do in their passing game enough put it that way now is it enough to go to buffalo and win eh, well that remains to be seen um what's with the, i don't know this is the this is the thing that sticks out to me is why there's such a different team half to half every week it's the same story now, early on, it yeah. was terrible starts. I mean, they were down 21 to zero to the Bengals. Like that actually happened. <laughs> and then they came back and won and it wasn't even that surprising. And now it's let's stop. Let's start hot. Like they did against the Steelers, like they get against the Jacks and then just not even look like the same team in the second half. I don't I don't get that. I don't understand it. It does feel like the play calling gets a little bit different. Frank got cute yesterday with the Jacoby package on a second and 11. I didn't mm. get it. And it seemed like the game turned from there. And I don't understand it. And if you do that against the Bills, you're going to get beat by 30 if you try to mess around with that kind of stuff. So they need to figure that out. Because like Frank said yesterday, the playoffs will expose you. They will expose your yep. inconsistencies. And this team is really inconsistent right now. And that would be a shame if this season were to end because they do more of that. Because they'll get rolled. I mean, they'll just get rolled. They're playing the best team that's playing this weekend in the AFC. Best team. I think the Colts go to Tennessee. I think they can win. They go to Pittsburgh. I think they can win. Going to Buffalo, I do think they can win. But I think Buffalo of the three is by far the toughest opponent. Yeah, and if it was you're the inconsistent worst and if you come out and flat in the second half, you're going to lose the game. So they need to get that figured out fast because I haven't gotten a straight answer on that in a month. And it's concerning. No, neither have I. And And I'll tell you, here's what I do know is that it is disappointing because – 
that's the kind of thing I don't expect from a Frank Reich team. Yeah. You know, here's a team. Look at their characteristics. Here's a team that has historically under Frank Reich been pretty good in terms of penalties, the discipline categories, you know, the the fundamentals, those kinds of things. The, the, the kinds of things that, that playoff teams do, honestly. You know, because you notice you don't get to the playoffs and see sloppy teams. Sloppy teams don't go to the playoffs because they suck. That makes you suck. Yes. <laughs> and so Frank Reich teams are generally sound. Like I said, uh, they play clean. They execute. You know, all of those things. And those are the things that are actually causing their struggles now. Yeah, and it's, when it's, they have these periods, they get they get penalties. That was the problem in Pittsburgh, I think, uh, in, in some instances. Then uh, things like lack of execution, miss a block, this or that. Uh, things like just it, the inconsistency from play to play in some cases, you know. And and that is not their sort of hallmark. Like I said, Frank Reich, you can love him or hate him and his play calling or whatever. But the one thing you can't say is that. You can't criticize those areas generally. Like I said, his teams are sound. They do the things that, that it takes to win. And and those are the things that are getting a little out of whack when I see these struggles. So I don't know why it's happening, but I can tell you where it stems from. And, and that is concerning because, like I said, that's not their character. And you can't do that against Buffalo. They are a team that will exploit that. Um, you talked about. Frank Reich saying that the playoffs will expose you. And I think, you know what I thought about when you said that was Baltimore and Tennessee last year and yeah. how we thought of Baltimore in this different manner. And then Tennessee came in and said, we don't care. <laughs> and, yeah. and they said, you know what? Your defense, we're not scared of you guys. And they showed they had no reason to be scared of them. And so anyway, I think that's, that's what I'm thinking about when I see this matchup, like, if you enable Buffalo to do that, they'll do that to you, you know, and they're going to make you a laughing stock on national TV. So don't let it happen. But they're going to have to get back to the things that that made them the team they became, I think, in 2018. They, they were a team that year that how do you win nine out of ten? You don't screw up. Yep. You don't have lulls. How did they you beat the, the Texans in the wild card round? Marlon right. Mack ran for 148 yards. Like right. that's how you – that's how you do it this time of year. And if in the Colts, if they want to win, they need to do what they do well, right? And that's yeah. that's going to be Jonathan Taylor, and that's going to be stopping the run on the other side. And you you think they get Kari Willis back, you think they get Rocky Seen back, but on offense, you don't have your left tackle, and that man, that just they're just not the same team. And I'll I'll, yeah. uh, I'll believe that to the end, but. That's a huge blow. They didn't just lose Anthony Costanzo for this Week 17 game. He's done for the year, and they're going to have to figure something out. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Just briefly, and I don't think we've talked much about defense, but uh, you're going to have to play some defense, right? I mean, you're dealing with Josh Allen and yes. uh, a great running game. You're dealing with you know Stephon Diggs, who I... I I don't know. I, I knew Stephon Diggs was good, but he has mm. taken it to such a different level this year. That guy is phenomenal. So let's talk about what we have learned about this defense over the course of the season. I thought I, – I, what I would say is this. I think the offense, I think, ascended over the course of the season. They may be leveled off, I think, at the end. Except for Jonathan Taylor. <laughs> but the offense, the passing game kind of leveled off. It certainly didn't start as well as it finished. I think the passing game got better. The offense as a whole got better for sure. And Jonathan Taylor is a big part of that. The defense, I actually think with the exception of that opener against Jacksonville, the defense was great for the first half of the season. And then I think the the questions kind of have come up in the like last third of the season. And I don't like feel like they're not good. I just... I just have more questions than I had, you know, and yeah, and I don't know. I, I hesitate to be like too hard on them because I, I think I think they're going to be fine. Whatever happens on on Saturday, I still like the defense, but but I mean, do, am I wrong? Am I crazy? Do you have? Does it feel like there are more questions as the season has yeah. gone on? I don't know if I'd go as far to say I like the defense, and here's why. I mean, all all early season we asked this question: Can they sustain this? Right, they're top five in every category producing a ton of turnovers. I mean, it was quite a transformation, right? And they answered the question in the last month of the season. No, they couldn't sustain it. They weren't. They're not a top five defense. That's it's They're a top 10 defense, but they're not a top I mean, five. And we were stunned to see them as a top five defense, right? So I, yeah, I'm not and, surprised that happened. It wasn't just who they were playing, but no, they're not. And, and the questions I have are second half against Pittsburgh, second half yesterday. They couldn't get Mike Glennon off the field for three straight drives. I mean, they were... The Jags converted like five third downs in a row of seven yards or more 
yeah, that's concerning. And that's going to be exposed in a big way if you don't bring it against the Bills on Sunday because Mike Lennon does not equal Josh Allen. I mean, Josh Allen's right up there at the top of the MVP conversation, probably just behind Aaron Rodgers. But the dude had a career year, I think 45 touchdowns or so. Um, so the defense, especially the secondary, gives me a lot of concern. And if they lose on Saturday, I think it's going to be a main factor because they've been playing the soft zone and then they switch to the man against the Steelers and they get burned. And yes, there were bad calls in that game, but you know, that's got to be the biggest concern this week. Does Rocky sin come back in? Does he make you better than TJ Carey? You can make the argument either way, but Rocky sin's given up a ton of balls this year. So um, that's, that's the concern I have. I think the offense is going to do what they do. You know, they're not going to score 40, but they're not going to go over. So they're going to be able to move the ball with Taylor and I think Rivers will be able to move the ball with some play action. But the secondary is a huge concern I have moving into the Bills game. They have not brought it in the last month. And that's that's something if I'm the Bills, I'm looking right at as something I can exploit. And to piggyback on that, I think in conjunction with the secondary having its issues, it goes hand in hand with the lack of the pass rush. And I think exactly. they have not done their secondary any favors. And and you talked about, you actually kind of hit on this inadvertently, you, you know, were they a top five defense? And part of the reason they weren't able to sustain that is because they were doing that in spite of the lack of the pass rush. Right. And we always wondered if like, would that chicken come home to roost? <laughs> and it kind of did. And I'm not surprised by it. And it's fine. Like I never, I never thought they were going to have some great pass rush because we knew that Ture wasn't, wasn't a hundred percent and he's starting to kind of get hey, it and feel it now. down sack yesterday. Yeah. I'm starting to see the flash from him a little bit, but, but it's not uh, there. You can't count on it. Right. The- right. You you can't count on it. Uh, Justin Houston is a shell of the pass rusher he used to be. I still like Justin Houston. He's a great run stopper, and they'll need that. But, I mean, look, I mean, on third down, I mean, you're not thinking, oh, boy, are we going to double Justin Houston? No, nobody's no. thinking that, right? So so you have to get it from DeForest Buckner or Danico Autry just has to, you know, just beat the living shit out of somebody and, and beat them, you know, with a bull rush, which you can do. But, like, you can't count on those things, you know? And and that's the problem right now. So, meanwhile, you know, Rocky Asin or TJ Carey is, you know, down the field in one-on-one with Stefan Diggs. And, you know, God bless you because good luck with that, you know? I don't feel good with either one of those guys in that situation. So, that's where I think they have a, a chance to really get in trouble in this game. If they leave Josh Allen in that pocket to work his progressions, that guy's going to dice you. So, they got to figure it out. And so what does that mean? Does that mean Matt Eberflus gets aggressive and now here comes Darius Leonard and maybe he finds a, you know, he's not going to have a, a Mike Glennon hit because Josh Allen can move, right? right. So he's not going to have a clean shot like he did on Mike Glennon yesterday where they're scraping Mike Glennon off the turf, you know, pieces of him. He just, Darius destroyed him. <laughs> that was I not mean, he right. destroyed him. <laughs> that was so unfair. It was like, dude, he's just a tall, skinny guy. You're gonna kill him. But uh, anyway, all I'm saying is, I, I don't. Again, I don't want to get into the too much of the X and O's of that game. We'll do that later this week. But but that is that's a fair question. You know, I think the pass rush has been something they have had to overcome. And to their credit, they really did do that for a long time. And at some point. We saw this against Rodgers and against Roethlisberger. You know, at some point, that will kill you. They did win that Green Bay game 
certainly, but that was in spite of, I think, the pass rush rather than because of it. So we'll have to see. I, I don't. I think that's going to be an obstacle for them, and it's it's a job that Chris Ballard is going to have to take on this offseason. He's just like he has to figure out his his quarterback situation. The biggest challenge facing him on defense is getting some pass rush because you can't be great on defense without it. Percent, I 100 percent agree, and and he knows that it all works in in concert, right? The yeah. reason the secondary has had the struggles they're having is not just because of them and their play. It's because yeah, four or five seconds you know go by, and Roethlisberger is still standing back there untouched, and you can't do that. Good quarterbacks will dice you up. Glennon won't. Roethlisberger did, and Josh Allen will on Saturday if they don't get a good pass rush. They're going to have to do something different. They're going to have to get creative. Eberflus is going to have to mix some stuff up. Um, but it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun to uh, to see how they approach the game and, and see if they can hang with the Bills because the Bills could be a team that win it all. I mean, I really think they could do the whole thing. So it's going to be a fun game, but I'm excited to cover a playoff game. So one one quick thing before we get out of here, uh, I just want to talk about Frank Reich real quick because uh, I, I got to say we hear a lot of divergent opinions about Frank Reich, and I'm not here to like – boost the guy up, not his agent or anything. I'm just, I'm just a fact. I just talk facts. Right. And so this guy, first year, he goes 10 and six after a one and five start last year, seven and nine. Look, franchise quarterback walks away two weeks before the season. I mean, yeah, I'll give you seven and nine, 10 times out of 10 in that situation. And then they go 11 and five. So what's that? I can't do the math, but that's, that's a lot of wins in three years. And I just think he deserves some credit. I don't think he, he's certainly not had optimum circumstances. You know, he's got a retread quarterback this year uh, with no offseason. He had, you know, just unprecedented circumstances last season. Uh, 2018, he's the second choice. <laughs> really, yeah. he was like the ninth choice, <laughs> honestly, you know, for head coach. And what's he do? He comes in and damn near wins coach of the year. I, look, Colts fans can can quibble about play calls. And I think that will always, always be a thing with, with Frank because he is not conventional as a play caller. Right. However, good point, which is fine. Right. I mean, that's, you just have that's to live Twitter with that. That's what Twitter is for. <laughs> yeah. Right. And sometimes that works in your favor and sometimes it doesn't. So just understand that he's not conventional. You have to be willing to live with that because you cannot argue that the guy is not doing something right. Okay. There's a lot of teams out there, uh, look, Adam Gaze, remember when Adam Gaze was all the rage? And I know the Jets are a trash organization Gosh, right now. Yeah. But I'm just saying, remember when Adam Gaze was all the rage and and everyone wanted to hire him? And this guy just got fired after a 9-23 and stint, I believe, with the Jets. It's almost like Peyton Manning had a huge reason why they, they won those those games in Denver, not Adam I, Gaze. I'm just as shocked as you are, I know. <laughs> So, so my point is, you know, and here comes a guy, not sexy, not a big name, not someone anybody was really talking about. And this guy is doing the job. He's doing a great job, honestly. I mean, I don't know. Am I, am I being no, too over yeah, the top here? I'm glad you brought this up. So I, I did the math. It's, it's 29 and 21 in three years. That includes a playoff win and a playoff loss. Um, every year he's been the coach, they've made the playoffs, except for the year the franchise quarterback dipped out with 15 days to go. So <laughs> understandable. Um, you, you got to make the playoffs in Indy. That's how people think around here. Mm -hmm. And whether Andrew Luck walks away or not, they have done it. And that should be commended. And I think Chris Ballard's job as well, how they, and I wrote this big story about Ballard a month ago about just the storms they have faced. Let's all put it in perspective, mm. right? 
their franchise quarterback, who they were banking on being here for six, eight, ten more years and building around, walked out with 15 days before a season opener, and they had to scramble. And 16 months later, they're in the playoffs as an 11 and five team. That's the best record this team has had in this decade, as we should point out. That's significant. This is a this is a record that wins you the division 90% of the time, right? And the only yeah. reason you didn't win the division is because of a tiebreaker. I mean, you know, I can't break. put yeah. the Titans ahead of the Colts this year. Right. They're both 11 and 5. They both won on each other's home field. So, look, I have the same qualms with some of the play calls. I don't get it. But like you made a good point. He's a creative, risky play caller. And it's going to look bad in moments. But they're 11 and 5 and he made it work with Rivers and no offseason and Rivers can't move, man. Like he can't do anything. So, right. He brought in Brissett and I didn't like Brissett yesterday. But Frank deserves a lot of credit for throwing Brissett into the game plan throughout this season. And I think people out there know that. Think of how many third downs he got. Think of the ways he was able to help the offense. You can't diminish that. Jonathan Taylor, Marlon Mack, the offense is nowhere near how bad it was in, in 16 and 17, right? I mean, it's in terms of inventiveness and creativity, Reich has brought it up significantly. And they're a top 10 offense with a 39-year-old quarterback who's playing on a bum toe and can't move. Um, they deserve credit for that. Now, my question to you before we get out of here is this was sort of the baseline, right? All year. Yeah. It was get into the playoffs and see what you can do. They think they're a better team than just the one and done playoff team, but they got a tough test on Saturday. And, and, and I think how this ends is going to have a lot of say in terms of how people feel about this season. If they go to Buffalo and get rolled, it's like, ah, well, you snuck in the playoffs and you didn't belong. Now, if they play them tight, we'll see. But, um, you know, this roster is good enough, like you said, to, to hang with just about anybody in this league. If they go backwards and play poorly on Saturday, it's not going to be a good reflection moving into an offseason where you have a ton of questions to answer. Yeah. You know, I think a good parallel is IU football. Okay. We just saw yeah. a tremendous season. I mean, I couldn't give a damn about IU football and just as a as a observer of football in the past right because why would I care right <laughs> you know I don't have any ties to the school I you know not really a big 10 guy I'm not from here whatever and I was just completely engrossed in that team this it year it was right? so fun right it was and so what am I saying and they go to the bowl game and they you know threaten for a minute there to get rolled by a four and what four and seven Mississippi State team right so uh, I'm sorry, Ole Miss team. And so that leaves a nasty taste in your mouth. However, I still think we can confidently say, all right, Tom Allen's a good coach. That program's headed in the right direction. Like, you should really, really feel great about where they are. You should, you should have concerns, too, because that raised some questions. But you can confidently say, all right, on the whole, we're in a good place. And so I think that's kind of what I'd see with the Colts, you know. But at the same time, it is still a totally different feeling than if you get the job done. There's no question about it. So so we'll see. But I, I think over time, I think the immediate reaction will be probably what we expect it to be, <laughs> which is, told you, they're not that good. Yep. Right? But I think over time, as, as there's more distance between it, I would imagine that people would start to come around and see, all right, we're in the, we're in the right place. We're going in the right direction. And it's really going to boil down to addressing – the two or three key things that we've all talked about and you know what they are. 
right? We just talked about a couple of them. So, you know, pass rush, quarterback, et cetera. So we'll see. And that's where the challenge is. Can you go from good to great? I thought Darius Leonard hit on the head. He said, you know, we're, we're a good team. We're in the playoffs. He says, you can't be a contender until you're a great team. And we're not that. He was very clear. He's, we're yeah. not a great team. We want to be great. And so that's the question. Can they be great? I don't think they're there yet, but it's up to them. We'll see. That's the fun part about January is you just don't know. And there's always a team that gets hot. And the Colts have a couple pieces that make you think they could get hot because the run game's going. They can stop the run. And we're going to see. But it's going to be fun. And, and, and they have a tough, tough road ahead of them. They do. so. But that's why they play the games. And we will see. Um, hey, all I can tell you is you're going to have to put up with us for another week, at least because um, there's football still to come. So uh, I'm good with that. I know Zach is as well. And uh, man, it's been, a, it's been a fun season. I got to tell you, for being in the middle of a pandemic, <laughs> I didn't have high expectations, but I'll take it. So um, I think back to you know July and August when we didn't know where the hell this was going. So um, I'm not I'm not upset about things uh, ending the way they have. So uh, all of us should be thankful for that. So anyway, I am Stephen Holder with Zach Kiefer. Stay tuned. We're going to have lots of coverage on The Athletic this week. Uh, we'll take things up a notch, hopefully, for the playoffs. And I uh, hope you are along for the ride. So stay tuned for our follow-up episode looking ahead to the game later this week uh, going into Colts at Buffalo on Saturday.